Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week, your audio almanac of all the fish. Monday, September 4th, 2023, we're on a week-by-week tour of fish across the country with guests from all walks of life. I'm Katrina Liebeck with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Euron. This week, we have a bit of a different format for you. Our producers have told us that podcast fans like hosts who are relatable. So, to that end, for one week and one week only, Katrina and I are going to relate to you some of our best fishing adventures from this summer and what we've learned from them. I hope you enjoy it. So, Guy, I want to hear about your your catfishing adventure. We talked about flathead catfish and noodling and... I hear you went down there and you got to experience it yourself or up there, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Up there for me being down in Georgia. Yeah. I drove out to Oklahoma. I got to meet up with Austin and Doug and actually some of the other guys from the crew. Turns out that, you know, Austin and Doug, they're not actually even the best noodlers from their office. We got to meet Jory Bartonicki. He's that guy. They mentioned him on the show as the guy who could really hold his breath for a long time. And they were not lying. He's down there. feels like a minute plus at a time. And yeah, no, Newland was one of those things that when you tell people who aren't fisheries biologists that this is what you do, I oftentimes get questions about whether I've gone Newland before, and I've always mm-hmm. had to say no. So I wanted to do this so that I could say yes and then get the pictures, and it was probably going to be a one-done thing. But after doing it, you know, I had a great time. I'd like to start doing this, you know, maybe not every weekend, but I'd like to get out there and try it again. And you just kind of feeling... This was research noodling that we were doing. We were out with the team trying to get data on the size of the fish compared to the size of the whole. Because I, I didn't understand th- this part of, of it. Apparently, like, I think about them as they go in and then they just hang out in the hole. But they're going in, they're clearing out, and they're building up like a wall against the hole. Oh. I'm feeling some real little indents, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah, here's the... Here's a hole. I don't think this is the big one. It may connect. The big one's right on the corner, I think. Have you heard about like those African monkey traps? No. I can't speak exactly to <laughs> whether it's... I, I've heard the story from lots of people, so but I can't say if it's 100% true. But I've heard that, you know, okay, you put some seeds in a hole that the hole's just big enough for the monkey to stick their hand in open, grabs the seeds, but then the fist won't come out. It's mm. just the right size that the hand can go in, fist can't come out. And they won't let go of the seeds or the bait or whatever you put in there. And so they're stuck. Oh, man. And that's kind of how it felt with these catfishes sometimes because you get your hand in there. Just the size of the holes amazes me. Like, I was expecting mm-hmm. these very big cavities. Like, I'm having to, like, just squeeze my hand way back there. And but and then it, it opens up. That's how you know you got, a, like, an active hole is it's like mm. you have a small doorway and then it's just a cavernous room back there. So it's like once I get the arm in there, now I'm feeling around and, like, 360 degrees of motion and just trying to feel that's crazy i went in somewhere here go like feel my left leg here my hook on your foot's in it in the hole okay that's it okay yep but they've built up this big barrier of sediment against there and so you can't really pull them out so sometimes we had to like measure first and then excavate the hole a little bit more to be able to get the fish out one time i they had me on, and I was guided very well. They got me on a flathead. I got all three species, but the flathead, like I had both my hands in its mouth, and I just could not pull it out of the hole. So I had to push it back in while holding on, have some someone dig out the hole in front of me, and then eventually 
kind of pull it out. And I think yeah, I even had help from them pulling on me. Oh, as, man. You know, right. And I guess you, you got to be able to pull them out, right? Or he can't, may come in from the backside. Well, we'll double check. There's not another opening over here. Okay. Well, I'm guarding something. Guess I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Good luck. I'll probably come up like without anything the first time. Just like, ah. Oh, no. It so, sometimes it takes a while. So, I appreciate your patience. <laughs> You're good. That's right. I'm on the edge. Well, he was biting it, but he didn't quite get on there all the way. Not quite enough. That's I'm going to try again. That's the, yeah. He that's, feels like it's probably like a mouth like that. I'm gonna get him. Sometimes, like with these little ones, it's a pain. It's a big one, they just freaking bite all your fingers and you can grab it. And you can feel the eggs and everything. At one time, you know, we, we oh. like pulled out the eggs and you can check on the eggs and see if they're viable and everything. And they usually are. You can put them back. It's not like they're, they're, they're not attached to anything. It's not like they're egg attachers or so. It's just a mat of eggs. They're stuck together. You can pull them out. You can put them back as a group. They're fertilized. They'd just be solid, like cloudy if they weren't. You can actually kind of see the embryo a little bit, you know. It's like a little more yellow toward the one side than the other. Make sure uh, And then you put the catfish back in the hole? Like when you release it, what do you do? Just we did. stuff it in there? Sometimes we did. Sometimes we didn't. Like, uh, okay. it, it, if it was easy to, we would. And if it was going to be a pain, we just said, hey, you're nearby. We were processing them on a boat. Put a, go find it. Yeah. So this is a little fish in a big old situation. <laughs> yeah, we'll put them back in here. Was your face underwater while you were getting all that figured out? Like the, while they were excavating the hole more, or was, was your head above water? This one was the shallowest one, I think. Okay. And so, luckily, I was able to, when I got it to the edge, I was able to get my head up. And so I was oh kind of holding it. Then I, I had to dive back in for him to dig it out more and then come out. The biggest oh one gosh. I got was a 950 millimeter blue cat. How long is that? 38 inches, a little over three feet. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we were doing science, so we were writing in metric. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it precisely because I took pictures of the data sheet before I left. Yeah. But this one was under this big cement kind of, you wouldn't have been able to find it without like sonar, trying to figure out what this thing is. And it was about <laughs> five feet down. All the TV shows make it seem like, you know, okay, the, the hard part is the fight. One is, is You go down, you put your hand in, they bite, you hold on, and now the ride begins and you can see if you can get in. And that's not the case at all. We mm. You find a lot of fish, but actually getting them to bite on and not run out of the hole is quite a challenge. Or getting them, a lot of these holes are deep enough that they'll like just keep going back in further. Oh my so gosh. Get, getting them on is actually a challenge. And so this one, it took me like, I think probably seven or eight attempts of coming up, getting breath and going down. At one point, I had his head like locked in my elbow, and I couldn't quite get it. And finally, yeah. I got him, and I just—I didn't even have my whole hand in his mouth. Ideally, you would get your like fingers on his lower jaw. I just had my thumb in there. I pulled him up, yeah. 
he kind of busted free at the surface. I just like bear hugged him and I put my whole body into the net with the fish. Oh my gosh. Because we got a net person there. They apparently were telling me that they were kind of got distracted. They were talking about other holes that we could hit because they, I guess, didn't have confidence that I was going to come up with the blue cat. We didn't know what it was at the time, but then I just come up, we're just thrashing around and they're like, net, net, and and, in it goes. So awesome. That was awesome. But so, so when you stick your hand in the hole, are you like making a tickling motion or is it just your hand just goes in? Like, what were you doing with your hand to get them to bite it? So, and this is something else that I don't know if they said it on our show and they certainly don't say it on the TV things I'd seen before. Cause I always thought it was like just your blind sticking your hand in places. You yeah. start off, they you got these like sticks. They're like willow rods and oh. you feel you're feeling, you find a hole, then you take the stick and you investigate with the stick. And That's a you'll smart either, idea, given the beavers and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of these things that, like, I don't oh. know why I didn't think it's so obvious in retrospect, but I didn't. So, yeah, so there you feel it, and you can either, with, with some of the ones that aren't super aggressive, you'll feel the fish. A lot of times, mm-hmm. like, if it's like a channel cat or something, you'll feel it hitting the stick. And so it's yeah. like, okay, there's a fish in oh. here. Because there, there's many more holes without fish than there are holes with fish. Okay. Especially like the smaller channel cats. I'm not saying like tiny, but we're talking like 18 inches or so. Okay. Uh, they're just hitting the tips of your fingers. And especially when you got gloves on, like they're just kind of pulling the gloves off a little bit. And so it was quite a challenge to actually get your hands into their mouth, but like they'll peck at it. And so, yeah, this is just sticking your hand in, feeling around, hoping for a bite. With some of those bigger ones, like sometimes you're running your hand along the belly of the fish trying you're to like, find oh, the mouth. <laughs> Sometimes you're grabbing the fin, like they were saying on the show, trying to rotate the fish around to get it in the right position against mouth. Ah. That's sort of like what I was doing with the flathead. But eventually, like if you can get your hands in there, you try not to let go. The the blue did scare me for a little bit because, you know, I'm five feet down. I finally got this one about halfway through my breath and trying to hold on to it and actually get up. Because the other ones, I could kind of easily get a breath and then go back yeah. down. Oh, my god. I gosh. think the, de- the deepest I ever went down was probably eight or nine feet but i missed that fish oh that's pretty deep okay yeah i missed i missed more than i caught did you get the heebie-jeebies going down there like that um a little bit a little bit it's a little nerve-wracking but like i say you do the stick first and i was with other people i certainly wouldn't go alone just i mean sometimes i'd like i'd get the stick stuck and you were like man if that's your arm you're out of luck even if i mean they got those things that say, you know, you can drown in six inches of water. And well, I'm probably not going to do that and turn my head to the side. But you're, this water is turbid. Like, yep. even if you're only going down a foot, like the person disappears. Like you, you can't see them. Like you're, you're standing in knee deep water and watching someone, and they're, they're, they, they're gone. That's a note for me. Yeah, it, it, it's not. It, I mean, so six feet or two feet, you're kind of yeah, you're gone. Ooh. What's weird, though, in my recollection of all of this, like I opened my eyes when I was underwater occasionally. I didn't have goggles on or nothing. So it was just like an orange green yeah. kind of blurry environment. But in my mind, I have these mental images. Like, like when, when I go to remember this, I'm like, oh, no, this is what it was like. I, I have this whole map as if I could have seen it. Even though that was never the case, for the most part, my eyes were just closed. I, I feel like I saw it, and because you, you feel around it, you get this idea of where everything is. But 
So you mentioned you got a few you got a few different species. Could you tell when they bit you which ones you had, or did you have an idea based on anything feeling around in there, or were you surprised when you came up? Well, the smaller ones, I was not surprised that they were channel catfish. The way that they started me off was really good. Uh, we started off looking at just like checking boxes and seeing what okay, this is what a fish feels like on a stick. Because we weren't sticking our hands in that one. We were just sticking the sticks in it. Then we went to a boat ramp and stuck the sticks in real holes. And it's like, okay, so this is where you find them in the wild. Then you stuck your hand in the hole that fell. Okay, little channel cat. And then you moved up Mm. and we did got blues and flatheads that had a different leg Mm. the next day. So it was a really nice progression that they took me on. Okay. And so, yeah, but the channels, you know, just by the size. But I see what they mean by the, uh, the blues and the channels hit harder than the flatheads did. The flatheads really did not like it was still a fish. Don't don't get me wrong, but the blue and the channels they were they were much harder, at least mm-hmm. like pounds per square inch or something. And you were wearing gloves. I was wearing gloves. At, at okay. one point, I considered like for the last couple taking the gloves yeah. off just that. to get some scars because I could do <laughs> with some scars on my hands. But uh, I decided to leave them on uh, the whole time. Okay. Okay. So and it, did it hurt when they bit you through the glove, or was that pretty good? No, it it didn't really hurt through the glove. Although, like I say, Jory came up one time. He was down with a big blue cat at one point. He got some scratches through the glove from some of the oh, teeth dang. on that blue cat. Yeah. So it's not foolproof. We're, these were like kind of like pretty thick cotton gloves. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, okay. so huh. no, that was good. And like I say, it was a real fun crew. It's almost just as much fun getting out and getting on a field crew again. Oh yeah, uh, as it was as catching the fish. Real, real good people. Fish poker, real, real fun to hang out with. Yeah, when I switched into fisheries in college, it was just kind of the people played a big part of it too. Oh yeah, they're having good conversations with the game warden on the shore, and they got. You know, it sounds like it's like, okay, it's Noodling Day. Everyone's finding a chance to get out there. All the interns, all the people normally doing office work and stuff like that. It was it was a good time. Uh, okay. Just real good people, real hospitable. I really enjoyed it. How warm was the water? It was around like 80 degrees, so pretty oh, okay. warm. It was, like, okay. it was like a lukewarm bathtub kind of deal. Okay. And, uh, it was bad. like 95 air temperature the second day. So it was nice getting in so there. pleasant conditions. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Once you're in the water, you kind of want to stay submerged. The, the the cool part is when you're wet and you get out of the water, as anyone who's been yep. into a swimming pool knows. I reapplied sunscreen like three times. It still got pretty burnt. Oh, My hands didn't get burnt because I was wearing gloves the whole time. They need gloves for your head, like a mask. Isn't your mom a dermatologist or something? Yeah, yeah. She's so going to be mad. I'm not telling her about this. <laughs> Sorry, guys, mom. <laughs> But uh, I tried. I, I, like I said, I, I reapplied like two or three times while I was out there. And I guess it just gets mm-hmm. washed away because you're getting in the water. Okay. No, it was awesome. It was a real good time. That's awesome. I want to hear about your Copper River sockeye fishing experience, sockeye dip netting. Yeah. What's, uh, where is the Copper River? Well, it's in Alaska. And yeah, I guess we were probably doing this the very same time. So I just went dip netting. It's usually mid-June on the Copper River, which is a famous river here in Alaska. It's very turbid also, kind of looks like maybe grayish tan soup. So you can't see anything in it. But yeah, the fishing that we were doing, my friend and I, is dip netting. So you go there and it's a personal use fishery for Alaska residents and 
you can dip 25 salmon and then 10 fish per each additional family member. Lots of people bring ATVs. There's a couple of different ways to fish it, but with, it's all with a net. Some people bring a lot of poles and it's fishing from the beaches and your poles are really far out, kind of in the main channel. And then the other option that we took is going down into the canyon where the water gets really pinched and there's a bunch of eddies and kind of big swirling pools where the, the fish are mm. kind of actually getting carried upstream with the current. So we had a really oh, wow. strong upstream current helping us with our net instead of at the beaches where you're kind of dragging your net downstream. It's interesting. So I've seen pictures of people in like Washington state dip netting for salmon on these real narrow stretches, but they're like up on cliffs on platforms, like reaching yeah. way down. Is that what you were doing or were you able to get onto the banks of the river? There's parts where you do get tied in to cliffs. It's really steep. Actually accessing down to the river in the canyon, you have to kind of shimmy down these really steep areas. There's no platforms. A lot of it's a mix of like, you know, trees and then shaley rocks and you kind of scramble down and then find a, a flat spot right by the water where it's like a rock that you can sit on. Um, but a lot of people do tie off. We found an okay spot where we could just kind of squeeze against kind of a bigger rock and have our, our nets in the water. But yeah, it's, it's intense fishing for sure. And I've actually never packed them out. We've used ATV before. I've been on the boat before. They have a, a boat that runs down and it'll drop you off overnight on these eddies, yeah. but this time we just brought our pack frames and found a spot finally and yeah, packed them out a couple of days. Okay. So <laughs> 25 for you, 10 for Ragnar, 10 for McKay, 10 for Trent. We did not, I did not pack you, out that many fish though. That's too much. You did not pack <laughs> out 55 sockeyes. Okay. How many no. did you get? How many, were you limited by how many you could catch or how many you could carry? Oh, we could have caught that many. But in terms of what you can carry, the first day we brought all the poles, and that was a really big pain to kind of carry those. So you've got your your net, your poles, you've got your extra clothes, your float coats, your food, your water. So a bit of weight already. And then actually like configuring the fish on your pack frame. I had like a waterproof, um, a secondary backpack. So we're okay. trying to figure out like how much they weighed and how much we could fit and scramble up the cliff and then walk the two miles back out to where the truck was. Um, so the first day it took us a while to find a spot and that's just from walking in. It's just, yeah, it's just a kind of far way in and you'll walk down and you'll see someone down there. You'll see a bike parked on one of them and you'll have to go find a new spot. So it took a bit. And then the first day we got nine fish. And then the second day we stopped at 15 and we figured we could fit two more fish in the second day. So I think around 10 fish is a good packing weight. Okay. I weighed them when I got home and they were like, I think an average of probably five or six pounds per fish. Okay. Sockeyes. Sockeyes. Okay. And these, yeah. these are the ones that they, they don't look like sockeyes yet, right? They look like they're, are these still, these they're are chrome silvery. Fish, right? Yep. They're chrome. Yep. But it's cool. You just sit on the rock and you have your, your net in the eddy. And sometimes the current starts like ripping upstream. Sometimes it's more swirling in a circle and Ooh. you'll just feel a jolt and the fish will mm. hit the net. And then you got to kind of bring it out of the water and the fish is flopping on the rocks. You bonk it on the head and get it on the stringer and get your net back in the water. They kind of come in pulses. So you want to get your net in the water when they're, when they're moving. Okay. Yeah. I had a king hit my net at one point. Oh, did you? What were the regs like for that? It's one king here? for this year, at least you got to watch them close. And I was kind of unsure if I was going to keep one, if I got one, but I was sitting there on the second day. I was like, I'm going to get a king on this next one. And then like two minutes later, 
a female king hit. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I like hesitated because I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to keep her and she got out. So oh, how big are these nets around in diameter? And then uh, when you feel that thud, that jolt on your net, Mm -hmm. how many times does that actually result in a fish in hand? Yeah, so I guess the first question with the size, um, we actually had a pretty small one. I'd say it's maybe three feet across. And then okay. I think maybe four feet across for the other one. And then how how deep are they? The net itself is probably five or six feet deep. Okay. And then if you're fishing on the beach, you want a square net here, a rectangular net. But then the net is mostly kind of getting it right in the seam where the fish are. So you'll feel a bump. And sometimes it's just the fish. You're not quite in the current. Maybe it's a little too strong. You'll feel a bump the other side of your net like the pole part. Mm. But then, yeah, you'll know when you hit them and then you want to kind of flip your net down into the current. So if the current's going upstream because of the Yeti, you're going to flip your net towards that current and kind of lock that fish in there and pull them up that way. Sometimes the net will go back and forth depending on the current kind of shifting because the water is really strong and swirly. Um, So you got to kind of be watching your net a little bit. Yeah. I guess I'm a little confused there. So all right. Say you got the river current, so you got a net in yep. the water. The bag of the net's going to be facing downstream. Mm-hmm. The fish are going to be coming upstream, mm-hmm. and so they're going to be. It's not. They're going to be hitting you're the bag your that's net. put out. You're you're walking you're your walking net. You're walking the. Okay. Yeah. So on the beach, you'll have the the poles are I don't know, maybe six feet, and you'll have your net out like six or seven poles out. You okay. Walk it way out in the current, and then you're walking downstream with it. On the Kenai, you wait for that incoming tide. So the current's actually coming upstream. Okay. So it's pushing fish into your net okay. that way. And same with the eddies. You look for spots where these fish are going to have an easy time navigating this crazy, strong current. So I'm usually fishing in a situation where the current's coming upstream, my net's going upstream, and the fish are going into the, the net part. Okay. So it's, that's a lot more active than I kind of thought it was. Yeah. Telling me yep. about it. And you can, it's okay. dangerous too. I mean, people die in the Copper River almost every year. I've heard if you fall in, that sediment will just kind of fill up your clothes and take you under. Mm-hmm. Is it just that real fine stuff? It's real fine, thick, soupy water. And when I mentioned you can see your net and what direction it's going, I mean, sometimes I just had my net out right in front of me and I'd have the very rim of the top part where I could see it so I could kind of see where the net was. But if you put it underwater, you can't really see what your net's doing at all because it looks like soup. Oh, man. So. You mentioned that you'll see people and you'll have to choose another spot. But I've seen some pictures that you sent me of like down on the Kenai. It seems like it's just shoulder to shoulder. How many people are you dealing with? And then how long of, this is a scientist, I mean, transects, uh, I don't know exactly. Reach is probably a better word. Are you actually yeah. walking the net at a time? Yeah. So the Kenai is definitely shoulder to shoulder. When you go to the copper, there's a lot of people there, but you can't really see them. Like we were, we had kind of to ourselves, at least the one Eddie. But on the beach, you'll see a little bit of shoulder to shoulder and people get in a line and kind of walk that um, shoreline, like I mentioned. But on the eddies, you kind of find your own eddy. So we walked two miles in and as you're getting into the canyon, I don't know, I was noticing kind of this topography where you'd have these like spruce trees going down and like rocks, mm. kind of rocks jutting out versus like really kind of shaly eroded areas. So in terms of reach, I mean, you're looking at little trails down maybe every 10th of a mile, quarter mile. That makes yeah. sense. But yeah, it's hard work packing them out. You yeah. scramble up and 
got 50 pound pack and yeah, just start walking back and get your fish on ice as soon as you can. Yeah. And you had a friend with you though. I mean, we're talking about both these forms of fishing sound like they can be pretty dangerous. It seems like it's important to have someone else kind of watching your back. We had bear spray. She had her dog. She has a 10 mil. So we were kind of watching for bears and yeah, you definitely want to have someone with you on the river. I don't think they could probably save you if you fell in, but it's helpful to even have someone to help you like pick up your pack or hand stuff too. There'd be like just kind of scramble areas where you're passing gear to the other person. My knees were all swollen up after hiking in those two days and out those two days, just from like, yeah, squatting so much, trying not to fall in the river. Yeah. Embrace the suck is what we were saying. It's beautiful. And it's like, the weather was beautiful. The scenery is beautiful, but it's like, yeah, you kind of get in those situations where it's like, all right, now we got to pack out the fish and it's just work. Yeah. And it's rewarding, but hard. Oh yeah. How long did it take you to process all of them? Uh, I processed them on Monday. So I had the day off and I don't know, getting set up and getting, I try to get all the meat off. I split the heads, get the fillets, vacuum seal them. Probably a good four hours with cleanup and setup and being real careful with the meat. But we got some salmon tenders and eggs and all that stuff. I'll send you some of that. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, let's keep doing This is fun. Let's keep documenting fish adventures. Yeah. It's cool to get out and just make these mental connections because- on Saturday afternoon, I was out at Steve Harvey's ranch helping with a kid's fishing day. And one kid catches a nice, solid, probably 10-pound channel cat. And it was just beat to hell. Looked like it just had these lesions and stuff in bad condition. I'm like, oh, I don't... And I was talking with the state. I was like, oh, I don't know. What's, I mean, it's otherwise kind of a healthy-looking fish. But I don't know why. It's. I mean, it's a good pond and everything. And then I was talking with these guys, and they showed me this fish that they pulled out. And I just had... I didn't realize how much these fish just beat themselves up Hmm. in digging these things out. Like a healthy fish, it just has all these scars and worn off spaces on it just from its own spawning behavior. So it clicked in my head. That's what that channel cat must've been doing down on Steve Harvey's place is putting together a spawning thing. So I I wish I'd known that two days before and I could have told the people like, oh no, this is what that is. Now you know. Huh. Yeah, they got pretty soft skin. Oh, yeah. And salmon will do that, too. I mean, they'll beat their tails into the gravel to dig their reds out and that frays all their skin off and they'll start to mold and stuff. But yeah, that's... Your zombie salmon don't got nothing on these catfish. They look ah. just as bad, but then they get better. It's, yeah. you know, huh. I don't know. They're just beat up. But it was cool to make that connection. Like I said, cool to see just... You hear about this stuff on the show, you watch it on TV, but actually getting out and doing it is something that it's, it's a whole nother experience. It, so mm. I'm, I'm glad that I, I took this opportunity. Get out there and try fishing. It's a great way to get to know all the fish. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebeck and my co-host is Guy Iro. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Race Car. Produced and story edited by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Post-production by Alex Brower. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Regional Office of External Affairs. We honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individual tribes, states, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish. Fish.